wonderful that you are here today. You know, one thing I, I love about Mac is he is brutally truthful. Um, if, you, if you develop a relationship with him and you get to have dinner with him, he will tell you exactly what is on your, his mind, even if you don't want to hear about it. And, it. and so a friendship like that is extremely important. So, Mac, I appreciate your, your prayer. I appreciate uh, who you are as a brother in Christ. So it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm Michael Longfellow, the associate pastor. I know we have a lot of visitors here today. And I preach about maybe once a month or however our schedule um, falls, how Michael and I set it up. And last time I knew I preached, I went really, really fast. Um, so when I get excited about something, I get, I get very, very um, fast to speech. And uh, so when I talk about Jesus, man, I, I get excited. Um, I, didn't, I didn't drink a Red Bull today. Um, so I'm trying to go really slow for you all. Uh, not really. It's not going to happen. So just get over it. You all may need to drink a Red Bull, then we'll be good together. Uh, you can keep up with my speed. Uh, but I, I didn't have a Red Bull. I had a tea. It's got caffeine in it, so that's a good thing. So hopefully we'll keep on notes, but probably not. Um, so it's interesting that we're, we're talking about the unshakable faith, as Pastor Steve talked about. And this week, uh, we, we weren't in church last week. Lori and I went to Kansas. We did a wedding. We drove 16 hours to do this wedding because this young lady was in our church back home. Uh, she grew up in our church, so we wanted to have this this uh, just meaningful time to be able to do the service with her. So Sunday morning, we got up at 5 in the morning. We were coming home, and being in a car with, with someone uh, for 16 hours is very challenging. Uh, more for your, my wife than for me. Um, she, you know, but it's, I, I was thanking God later on that I'm so thankful that we have a good marriage, that we can be together for 16 hours straight. And she doesn't side seat drive, and she doesn't tell me, well, she still does that, but... Um, She's able to, to be a little more patient with me. But, you know, it's interesting. We, we missed one Sunday, and it seemed like we've been gone forever. I mean, just when, you, when you're used to coming to church on a regular basis, you're used to seeing your brothers and sisters in Christ, and then you're gone, it's like, what, what happened? You know, and I, I could tell you we, uh, we didn't listen to a sermon on the way. Uh, we, we just didn't. We're sinners. Uh, so we should have. We, we probably should have stopped. Did some praying. We, she, we prayed for sure. But it's interesting that uh, I, I love my relationship with my wife because it's, it's such, a, such an image of our relationship with, that we have with our Heavenly Father, the whole marriage um, scenario. And one thing I, I want to tell you that when we first got married, um, I was uncultured, I think, according to my wife. I was not cultured. I was just a, a kid from a small town, and she wanted to go to uh, Nelson's Art Gallery. And it's a museum. It's a huge museum that would take, um, it seemed like it took forever to go through. Um, it wasn't an action-type movie. No one was dying. Um, you know, there wasn't explosions, anything like that. It was just, it was a museum. Okay, with me, museums are challenging. Um, going through the Rock Springs Museum downtown, that was a great museum. Five minutes, I can be through it. I'm good. All right, so we go through this museum, and she's looking at the statues, and she's telling me, she's so much smarter than me, she's telling me all the history of the statue and the, the painting, and I'm trying to act interested because we were just newly wedded. You know, we, I don't know, we've been married a year or two. I, I didn't, really, didn't really care. Uh, we were hanging out together. We were having fun. But, you know, looking at some of the statues, looking at some of the different uh, paintings, it's amazing what people can do. Holly, we have her in the house somewhere today. I um, hope she is. Maybe. Where is she? 
Oh, oh, she's in the back. Um, all right, we won't talk about the people in the back. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of joking. It's all no, I'm really joking. Uh, so you know, we've had, we've seen her her paintings, and it's amazing what people does. And she has such a great talent for what she's able to do. It's interesting with Michelangelo, his David portrait, his his David, David sculpture. It's interesting. He made the very first one, and now there's been about ten replicates of those uh, throughout the, throughout time. Probably even more today. But one thing is, Michelangelo's image of David is it's not just capturing one, but repeatedly. And it's also interesting that with us and our relationship with God, he is crafting you and to me and to me something beautiful today. So as we talk about the, this idea of, um, and my, my wonderful iPad is going crazy, as we talk about this idea of unshakable faith, we see in the series, even though the world is messed up, we, we have to make a, a, an, an idea, we have to have the idea that we live in a, a messed up world. We live in a sinful state. We, live, we, we just have chaos going on all around us. And for some, the reasons we are able to continue on, the reasons we are able to continue with our faith is because we have hope and hope in Jesus Christ. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're able to, to wait for the longing of Jesus to come and be able to change us in, in an instant. And that's, my friends, I'm so excited about. I'm so excited about Jesus coming back and, and taking us home. But, you know, there are so many people here, though, that need to know that God has made them for a special purpose. That there's a reason that you have been made. There's a reason why God wants a relationship with you. And there's a reason why there, that we have gone through some of the horrible things that we have gone through. And we're going to focus on Romans chapter 8, verse 28, just in a few minutes. But what are we supposed to do in the meantime until we wait for God's coming? What is life about now? What is God's will, will for us in our lives? And haven't we all asked that question, what is God's will for my life? You know, am I supposed to get this job? Am I supposed to go to full-time ministry? Am I supposed to go to the mission field? Am I supposed to marry this person? Am I supposed to, to do whatever it is today? And so a lot of times we ask the question, what is God's will for us? And there's hundreds of books out there about what God's will is. So when we focus on this, I really want to be able to focus on what are we supposed to be doing? What is God's specific will for your life and for my life as well? Because I don't want to look back when I am older, when I'm, when I'm 40, well, 45, 65, when I'm, yeah, next year when I'm 45, I don't want to look back at my life. I don't want to look back at my life in 10, 15 years and think, Michael, your life was a waste. I don't want to live with regrets. I want to every day live my life like it is the last because I want Jesus to do tremendous things in my life every day. I don't want to just wait for the miracle once in a while, but I want the miracle to happen in my life every single day. I want to become like Christ every single day. As we look at this, as we focus on this, Romans chapter 8, 28, and I will tell you, my friends, um, if you take Scripture out of context, which some of us do several times, quite often, you'll get on my nerves, okay? I mean, just, let's just lay a foundation. If you take Scripture out of context, we will talk, all right? Because I don't like people taking Scripture out of context. You can make the Bible mean anything you want it to mean when you're taking verses and applying them to whatever you want to apply. All right? So be very careful because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And everything we are taught, we should be checking according to the Scriptures to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. And I will tell you, my friends, every time I preach, and oh, isn't it a blessing I'm not preaching on sin today? 
All right, if you're new to our church, the last three times I preach, it's always about sin. So every time, so this is the first time for a while it's not about sin, but I'm sure we can work it in there too. I'm sure we can, because somewhere, yeah, we can do it. I'll make sure. Um, <laughs> I just, I love you guys. I'm, I'm so thankful we're, we're a body of believers. Um, but one thing, I, our will in our lives, uh, the will that God has for our lives comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is what it says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like this, like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with him. And having given them this right standing, he gave them his glory. I want you to understand that God is always working for the good of his people. At the times we wonder if God has gone on vacations, have you ever wondered where God is at? Have you ever been in that situation where you feel isolated, you feel alone, and you feel completely deserted, and everything is coming against you, and you wonder where God is at? I tell you, I like Pastor Steve. Well, I like what he said, too. I like, what he, I like him as a, as a brother. Let's establish that. We're good. He's bigger than me. Um, but like he said, you know, he said, if you've, if you've been more on this earth in more than three years, you've gone through some hardships. You know, each one of us at some point in time, whether where we are in our faith with, with Christ or even before we knew Christ, we went through hardships, we went through trials, we went through tribulations. As James chapter 1 verse 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind. How many of us get really excited when we face trials of any kind? Woo! Yeah, we're having problems. We can't pay the bills. Let's rejoice. How many of you guys do that? Okay, hopefully you don't. You're kind of weird if you do. But it's interesting that with the scriptures that we go, when we go through trials and tribulations, it's able to build us up. It's able to mature our faith because the times that we grow the most is during the times that we are in the valley. When we are facing difficulties, when we're facing hardships, that's when we grow. When everything is great, it's very, sometimes very difficult to grow in our relationship with God. At times we wonder where God is, we wonder if he's preoccupied, or if he doesn't love us. How, have you ever felt that God doesn't love us because of the situation that we are going through? I think at some point we've all felt that. God has abandoned me, God has left me because of this turmoil that I'm in, and I don't feel that relationship, I don't feel that connection with God. Let me just talk about your feelings for a second. That would be gentle. Your feelings sometimes are just... They're stupid. Okay, I, I say this sensitive. I come this from my heart. But have you ever felt that you don't, you aren't loved by God? And when we compare that to this truth, when we compare that to the scriptures, we know that our feelings are not correct. Don't get me wrong. We feel, we feel things, and God gave us those feelings. You know, and I, I, I'm joking about your feelings, because our feelings are, we got to be validated, we have to be validated by God through his words. There's going to be days that we feel close to God, but there's going to be days that we feel far from God. Do you realize that God has never moved? You are who are believers, he is dwelling with inside of you every day, and we wonder where he is, and he's right there with us. You know, it's just amazing to me how many, many times my feelings are not correct because they do not line up with the word of God. 
How many times have you heard when someone passes away, someone you are close to, and you know that they're in heaven, you, feel, you know logically through Scripture that they are in heaven, but you feel sad because they're no longer here with you. To bring that connection, to be able to bring the realization that they're in a better place. And that we have so many little Christian emphasis. Oh, they're in a better place, so on and so forth. We'll talk about that a little later here. But to realize that your heart has to catch up with your mind. Your heart has to catch up with the word of God to know what is true and to know what is right. Because if we go by feelings, how many of us would be in trouble? Oh my goodness, we all be divorced like 55 times. <laughs> Wouldn't we? It's the truth. We would be in different churches all the time. Well, that pastor, he doesn't know what he's preaching about. That pastor, that worship leader, he's, it's a horrible song. We're leaving today. You know, how many times we, we go by feelings and not by the truth that God has set before us? Okay, all right, let's you know we're off notes, so it's going to be a long sermon. All right, so as we go on, as we look at the scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that God causes every every, I'm sorry, let me read this correctly. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God works in the good and God works in the bad. Understand this. God does not, God does not cause bad things to happen to your life. We blame God for a lot of things. We blame God for abandonment. We blame God for allowing things to happen. But God does not allow, that God does not intentionally bring things upon your life that cause you harm. That is from the evil one, my friends. And sometimes it's not even from the evil one. Sometimes it's from our own, our own actions. Sometimes we would reap what we sow. Uh, quick tip here. So I started a new job about six weeks ago uh, at Genesis. I know I'm HR now, so I can to be very, very careful how I uh, present the gospel, but I still want to present scriptures. Hopefully no one here from Genesis is going to record this and um, say I'm doing bad things. But the, I will, every day I am trying to work in scripture when I talk to people in a very subtle, sudden way to be able to show people what God, the logic of the scriptures is logical every single day in our lives today. And so someday I probably will get fired, but that's okay. It's just how it is. So we look at this, but I want you to truly understand that God does not cause bad things to happen in your life. When you're going through cancer, when you go through mental issues, you're going through struggles in life, it is not the result of God putting that upon you, but it is the result of sin in the world today. My friends, I know that is hard sometimes to grasp because we want to be completely protected. We want to be completely in a bubble where nothing ever happens to us. But don't, isn't it true with our children? When they are growing up, we allow them to get hurt. We allow them to go and do things that are going to cause them harm to a limited degree. We allow them to, to be able to experience life. We don't always keep them in that bubble. Some parents do. Some, people, some parents do the bubble, and then it's, it's, it's horrible afterwards. We saw in 17, part of our inheritance as children is suffering. Jesus, Jesus suffered from being glorified. We also see in the whole world is messed up today. Struggling to be what is to be created ends up in a painful place. As the effect of, is the effect of human sin of all creation, so it's no surprise there's difficulties. There's no surprise that life doesn't always happen as we plan. I can remember telling Lori several long, long time ago, 20 years ago, whatever, I don't want to have a dysfunctional family. I don't. I want my, I want my marriage to be good. I want my children to be good. I want them to be raised in a Christian home. I want them to be able to be successful in God's life. I had a plan. I had a plan. My plan was good. 
God did not agree with my plan. My plan is, is kind of messed up now. But it's messed up, you know why? Because I'm able to see God's grace in my family and I'm able to apply that to my life as a father, as a husband, as a friend. Because what we have gone through as a family, as a husband and wife, but also what our children have gone through as well. It's interesting raising teenagers. It really is. I will tell you, if you have teenagers as kids, or if you ever, you have a dysfunctional family too. We all have a dysfunctional family. And you know the reason why we have dysfunctional families is because we are all sinful people. We don't always have the, oh, sin. Hey, we can preach on sin right there. Look how I worked that in. See how that came around? All right, you got to keep up with me. I'm going slow. I'm not even talking fast yet. So it's interesting that when we talk about these things, we are sinful people, and that's why we're dysfunctional. So that's how we are able to have grace upon other people's lives because we go through the same thing that everyone else goes through at some point, but God is patient with us, and that's a beautiful thing. How many of us are always patient with our family members? Yeah, good. Good answer. All right, so let's move on. What enables us to respond to adversity with grace and composure? Because God is always at work in the details of your life. I want to repeat that. Because God is always working in the details of your life. You may not see God working as a whole in your life, but he is always working in the small details and even the bigger picture of where he wants you to become, who he wants you to become like. And so that's the beautiful thing about God is that we are able to work in God's, God's able to work in our life. God causes everything that happens to work together for good. He's working in all things to bring good out of them, meaning the situations you've gone through, the hardships you've gone through, the struggles you've gone through, God did not cause that to happen to you, but he's able to use that through your daily life. When you face a death, when you face hardship with your children, when you face the anxiety or whatever you face, each one of us face different things, according to Corinthians, it says we're able to use the grace, the comfort that God uses for us to comfort other people. That's a beautiful thing. I, I was without a job for four months. I know how it is to be able to be able to comfort someone who is having, having problems getting a job. That's a great thing. Before, before I didn't have a job, I, I said, as always, I had a job. I said, hey, it's not that hard to go find a job. Go find a job. McDonald's is hiring. Burger King's hiring. I didn't apply those places. I didn't want my kids to be my boss because they've been there a couple of years. They would love to be my boss to tell dad what's going on and how to do this. And they are like little, they take after their father in many ways, which is scary sometimes because it needs to be this way, dad. Anyway, let's, never mind. Okay. You can tell I have issues. Everything means good, everything means good and bad. God can make an art out of all the crap, all the stuff that is in our life today. He can use raw materials to turn into something that are beautiful. The promise applies to some pe- the same people he's been talking to about this whole chapter and the whole book of Romans. Those who love him, those who are called by him, those who have the spirit, who are adopted in his children. If that's you, you have the assurance God is always working in your life. And I want you to understand, my friends, wherever you are with your walk with God, you, he is there working every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. And many of us want to see the big picture. We want to know where we're going to be, what's going to be taking place. But God is working on those small things in our lives to get us to where we need to be at this moment. That, that's a beautiful, I love my life because I am a big picture person. I know where we're going, but I have no idea how we're getting there. And that's where my wife and people around me say, hey, Mike, we need to go back this way. 
And that's the beautiful thing about relationships. Paul was speaking from experience. He had been through some pretty difficult trials. And, you know, a lot of us complain. A lot of us say, oh, our, our, my life is very difficult. My life is very hard. You know, but if you look at Paul, Paul's life, he was crushed and overwhelmed beyond abilities to endure that we thought... <clears throat> that we thought we would never live through. In fact, he expected to die. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times I was shipwrecked. And once I spent the whole night and day adrift in the sea. I have faced dangers and rivers from robbers. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have gone gone without food. I have shriveled in the cold, shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Paul's not just spinning out of theological explanations, but he's living the daily life of Christ. A lot of us think we have hardships, but how many of us have been beaten? How many of us had the hardships of being cold and being homeless and not knowing your food is coming from next? How many of us have gone through the things that Paul has gone through? But the beautiful thing is God re- or Paul realized that every day the small details were being worked out in his life. Small steps, one at a time. That raises the big question, how can things that are so hard, painful, even, even damaging, how can something turn into something good? How can something of your life that you have struggled with for so many years, how can God turn that and to use that for his glory and for his honor? Think about your situation that you have gone through that haunts you, that you still cling on to even though Jesus has taken care of it upon the cross. How can God use that for his glory How can we tell people about the relationship we have with God and how we've been healed from that scenario because God has brought us through that situation? And that's, my friends, is what a testimony is all about. I believe from the bottom of my heart the church would grow more, that people would see that Christianity is 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 a relationship between us and God if we would share our testimonies more with other people. Well, my friends, I'll tell you, a lot of us, we don't want people to know how we've been hurt. We don't want people to know the, 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 the stuff that we've gone through. Many of us want to cling on to that and hold on to it as long as we possibly can. But I will tell you, my friends, God wants you to release that pain. He wants you to use that pain for His glory. And is, is it scary? to tell people about your testimony, what you've gone through, your hardships and your heartache, and how God has brought you through? Absolutely. It's it's terrifying. I think with ordinary faith, when people come into our church, we need to let them know that we are just ordinary people with ordinary problems being solved with an extraordinary God. I remember my mom and dad, we would go to church every Sunday, I loved it. I loved church most days. And I remember that my mom and dad was arguing and fighting um, in the car before we got to church. And we were sitting in the parking lot, and they were still kind of arguing. And we, my mom and dad finally said, Michael and, Lori, or Michael, and Lori, Michael and AC, get out of the car, go to church. So they stay in the car, and they, they continue their fight. And I remember them getting out of, out of the car. They came in, and people were asking them, hey, how are you guys doing? And my mom and dad, bless their little hearts, oh, we're good. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. You know, so I was a young kid. I, I, I take after my mom. I take after both of them, actually. I said, Mom and Dad, you were lying to people today. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how old I was, but it was not a time of correction. I should not have been correcting my parents. Um, 
But, you know, I, I said, you guys were just really lying. You know, and how many times do we do that? Mac, thank you so much again for your prayer. Because how many times do we come into church and we don't want to be here because we're struggling and we have heartache and we are str- There are times I, I have not wanted to preach because what's going on in, in my personal life, in my, my, my family's life. But the thing is, the beautiful thing about Christianity, the thing about brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are able to build each other up in that moment. That we're able to truly encourage each other because most of us have gone through almost everything someone else has gone through at some point in time. God's plan, here's the perfect will for God's life and God's will in your life. Pretty simple. God's plan is to make you more like Jesus. That's your, his perfect will. His perfect will is to make you more like Christ each and every day. That we are able to be content in our situations, that we are able to be satisfied where we are with our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to be like his sons, and the, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is what God is working on in your life. This is God's will for you. No matter what the circumstances, ultimately God's purpose for all his children the same is to be like Christ. You and I are being made to be like Jesus. He has his purpose in mind for us long before you and I were ever born to become like Christ. I will tell you this, my friends, how important is it really for us, how, how, how important is it for the scheme of things for us to get the right job? How important for us is it to, to, to have the right car? I've heard people pray, Lord, please give me the direction in the car you want me to buy. <laughs> you like that little southern part there? Uh, it, it's weird. You know, how many of us, Lord, I understand that God, want, you want the right job, you want the right things, but how many times have we truly prayed, God, I want to be like you. I want your will in my life and not my will. Because most of you are just like me, you're control freaks. You, most of you like to be in control, you have a plan, this is the plan, then you ask God later on to bless your plan. And then you get upset when God doesn't bless your plan. Yeah, you who are laughing... You know what I'm saying. If you're not laughing, you're just in denial. You really are. It's what it is. It's my counseling for the day. Don't be in denial. Not really. I'm just joking. But it's interesting as we look at the scriptures, we look at what God's plan for our lives is, is to be more like Jesus each and every day. But here's the opportunity that we become like his son. It means to become more like Christ each and every day. It means what it is like. It's interesting. If you like the sci-fi movies, I love sci-fi movies. I love... I, I love those movies where, where um, aliens come. Um, I, I'm just a big sci-fi guy. And everyone, every time it's a horror movie, someone's, something's morphing into something else, aren't they? What, you have a, whatever it is. I don't have an example. I didn't put it in my notes. You have to think of your own example. Hopefully you'll remember. Uh, but it's interesting that in sci-fi movies, everything always morphs into something else. You as Christians, we are morphed into the relationship we have with God. You are automatically in God's eyes turned and you, are, you are, have the image of Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand that when God looks upon you, he sees his son. He sees his perfect son. So all the baggage that we hold on to is not what God sees. God sees him, Jesus, nothing else. We are the ones that see the baggage. We are the ones that see this crap. We are the ones that are continually reminding ourselves what we used to do, and now we are still here in the situation where we hold on to crap. And just to let you know, if you're a visitor, crap is my strong word. That's as far as we go. 
That's it. But that's what we do, isn't it? We hold on to the stuff when we have. And once again, our feelings are not true according to what the Word of God has to say. God says you are a perfect person. He chose you before the creation of the world. That is amazing. How many of you like to be chosen? (coughs) How many of you in high school was the one that was always the last one chosen? Don't raise your hand. (coughs) There's a lot of us that in high school, middle school, wherever, that we were chosen last. And how did that make you feel? You felt rejected, you felt isolated, you felt alone. I was one of those people because I was a Christian. And I, I remember feeling, why am I always chosen last? But then I saw through scriptures that when God looks at you, he has chosen you first. You have been chosen by God Almighty to be on his team. And that's a beautiful thing, my friends. Because there is no rejection in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so we are to be like Christ himself, where we do not reject, where we do not condemn, where we do not bring that point of isolation in someone's life. Because we want to be more like God each and every day. This is amazing destiny for God's people. God's plans for you to make you more like Jesus each and every day. And how many of us will always say, well, I can't be like Jesus, he was perfect. You're right, he absolutely was. But we can have those attributes, we can have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and become more like Jesus. And I was telling my friends, I love challenges. I absolutely love challenges when someone challenges me to do something or I say, I can't do it because I want to prove them wrong. But it's interesting with Scripture, when we are, have been declared that we can be holy because God is holy, my friends. And I think if, this is my own, my own personal take as a church, as a universal church in the United States, America, if Christians would live their testimonies, give their testimonies, and if we would live like Christ, I think we would have a huge, huge um, revival in the United States. I think if we acted like Christ, that we forgave like Christ, that we got angry with like Christ, if we loved like Christ, I think we would change the world, my friends. I really do. But how many of us just like to be comfortable in our own little bubble? This is my bubble of life. I don't want anyone harmed to come. I'm not going to share my faith. I'm not going to share my testimonies because it's easier not to. Galatians, <coughs> excuse me, Galatians 4, 9. My dear children, for who, whom I again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed you. God's goal is for Jesus to be formed and shaped in your lives, for your character to reflect more and more character of Jesus' life. The fruit of the Spirit. How many of you love the fruit of the Spirit? Oh, yeah, except when someone calls you on it. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? What's Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 say? say? All right, Tammy, can you speak a little louder? For the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We should have that scripture up there. How many of us truly want to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? And I pray you do. To be kind, to be, to be patient and loving and gentle and self-control. 
How many of us really desire that? Because I will tell you, my friends, when you are going through the trials of life, when you're going through the hardships of life, and you're able to display the fruit of the Spirit, people are going to ask you a question, what's so different about you than the rest of the world? When everything is coming against you and you are feeling uh, compressed and you are feeling uh, crushed, what is different between you and the other people in life today? The things that we love, your increasing love for what he loves. I love it and act like he loves. You honor God the way Jesus honored his father. Your mission in life is to reflect the mission. Most of the reflections we have today reflects the American dream. I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to retire at 64. And then I'm going to live the rest of my days um, down south where it's not war- cold. And then I'm going to come back here where it's, where, where it's warm during the summertime. We have it's all planned out. But how many of us truly truly need to have this reflection, this ministry, this mission statement in our lives that I'm going to live like Jesus because that's what Jesus wants me to do. You know, how, think about this. As I, we were back in Kansas. I was able to visit my mom and dad real quick. Able to visit them in two hours. There's not a lot of time to visit mom and dad and my sister. But it's interesting. There's a picture that um, someone took. My mom, my sister, someone took it. I don't know who it took it. But me and my dad were standing in the same way. We both had our little legs crossed here. We were leaning against the kitchen cabinet, and we both had our hands crossed. We were side by side. Looked like twins, but he's a lot smaller than me. And it's interesting, as I saw that, just knowing the guy, the man who raised me, I am so much like my father because the time I spent with my dad, that precious, precious time, you are going to spend you're going to look like who you spend the most time with. Whether that's on Facebook, whether it's on TV, Netflix, Prime, whatever you got, whatever we spend the most time with is who are we going to reflect. And my friends, that that, sometimes when we look at the Christian faith today, is a very scary, scary thing. Because most of us don't spend a lot of time with God. And I don't want to put guilt on you, this is, this is a challenge to spend that time with God Almighty, to understand who He is, and to become more like Him by the reading of His Word and understanding how God thinks. All right, we've got to skip some things. Sometimes we think suffering means God is mad at us, disappointed at us, or we failed. But it doesn't, my friends. Because you suffer does not mean God is mad at you. It means that God's going to use that circumstance somehow to glorify himself through those actions. But I want to tell you, my friends, God did not bring it upon you. Does God allow things to happen to you, to us? He does. Is it fair? Sometimes I don't think. I don't think it's fair all the time what people go through. But I know God has a plan. The transformation isn't going to be completed in this life. God is at work in every step from earth to heaven. God works in your life, not like some of the, pro- some of the projects, but I'm going home. One thing I, I wrote in my notes, that I am, I am, my wife will, um, she will testify to this. I'm a great starter of projects. I, I love to start projects, but how many of you really like to finish the projects? I hate finishing projects. It used to be when we were... When, she would go home to her mom and dad and take all the kids. I'd start, I'd be home. I would start a project. I would rip a wall out or I'd do some remodeling uh, with her blessing, a very vague idea of what I was going to be doing. She would come home and the project was not completed and it didn't get completed until maybe two or three months later because it's so much fun to start a project, but it's so hard sometimes to complete those projects in my 
in my mind, in my idea of what is fun and what's not. But it's interesting, when she would come home, she would help me finish those projects. So our project of our lives is not completed until Jesus Christ comes back. So I will tell you, my friends, we will never, in our life today, even though God looks at us and we have the image of Christ because God has clothed us, but we will never be fully completed until we get to heaven. We will never become truly like God, our mind thought, until we are in the presence of God Almighty. But our job is to strive, not because we have to, but because I want a relationship with my Father. I want to know who He is, and I want to be identical to my Father. I want to be able to act like Him and talk like Him and be able to love like Him. Because Michael Longfellow is not a very loving person sometimes. Michael Longfellow can be a very judgmental person. Michael Longfellow can be a very critical person. Whatever you want to put in there, you put your same name, and those are the things we can become. But when we spend time with God, that this idea that God is still with with us, creating us and challenges us every single step of the way. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. This is where you got to keep up, okay? So Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with him. And having given them this right standing, he gave him his glory. There are five elements of salvation outlined in this, this little verse here. You can see how all five are closely connected. God knew his people in advance. He knew he was going to call. Just like I love how, how, how women, when they are pregnant, that they know that child intimately. They talk to that baby. They sing to that baby. They read scriptures to that baby. And I love when my wife was pregnant, I would be able to talk to the baby. I would be able to feel the baby. I wanted that baby to know her or his dad's voice. And that's the same way with God. He wants you to know his voice. He wants to have that intimate relationship with you that only we can have with God. That is the first thing, my friends. He has chosen us. Some translations, he predestined us. And we get the whole idea about the Arminian versus Calvinism later. That's a whole different sermon. Having chosen them, he called his people to come to him. Then having called them, he gave them the right standing. The, the beautiful thing is that when you walk into the throne room of God, this is the beautiful thing about the scriptures, when you walk into the throne room of God, in the scriptures in Hebrews says we can go boldly and with confidence. When we approach God, we can go boldly and with confidence. There is no cowering. There is no shamefulness. But we walk in and God sees his sons and his daughters approaching the throne of grace. That's a beautiful thing, to have confidence. They taught us in Bible college. It's so much so funny. Uh, but this is before all the HIPAA laws, which I really, uh, it really is, is causing me some issues. When I would walk into the hospital, the, the professor would say, if you just walk into the hospital, you act like you own the place, no one's going to question you. And that's what pastors would do back in the day. That, that's how we were taught. We would go in, I would grab someone's folder, I would act like I know what I'm doing, have no clue what I was doing. And if I knew the person, I'd grab their folder. I don't want to just grab anyone's folder. But it's interesting. I walked in with confidence because that's what I was taught. You know what the problem is with some of our churches today? We have been taught wrong. We are taught that we are sinful people and that we need deserve to go to hell. My friends, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not sinful and you don't deserve to go to hell. You are saved and sanctified. Your life has been changed. You are now a warrior for Jesus Christ. You are a prince and a princess. And that, my friend, is exciting. So when we talk about confidence, my wife used to tell me I had a, a healthy ego, which still don't know what that really means. 
uh, there's cryptic wording in there. So my little mind doesn't understand that, but I know that when I come before God Almighty, I don't have to pray, Lord, if it's your will. Lord, I don't say, Lord, do, I, I am going before my father, before my dad, wanting to be before him and saying, Lord, this is what my desire is. If this is not what's good for me, then please say no. But this, if this is good, if this is from you, let it be. Because I want to be in line with you, Heavenly Father. If that means I go through struggles and trials to get to where I need to be today, then let me go through struggles and trials to be where I need to be with Jesus. I tell you, my friends, I don't want to go through struggles. I don't want to go through trials. I want everything to line up. But you know what? The more, the more I get older, the more my kids are doing things, and the more me and Lori grow together, I realize what a blessing it is to have difficulties in our life sometimes. Because I'm able to share that with other people. But the beautiful thing is, my friends, we are able to be confident before God. And there's nothing, it doesn't matter how I feel, because I know what the Word of God says, where I align up with our Father. There are times I don't feel confident. There are times I've wondered if God is abandoned. But I know through the word, he is always right there with me. Because we have been called. Having called, the fifth thing, having justified, he gave them his glory. This is still in the future, but the frame is still present tense. That God will give us his glory. And I believe we have it here as well. The Bible seems it's already accomplished, and that's how secure we are. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 4, or I'm sorry, 1, 4 and 5 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. In his eyes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave him great pleasure. He adopted you and I. We kind of recover this. There's more scripture to back up what I'm saying. He adopted us. He chose you. He chose me to be part of his family. Now, I want you to understand, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, this does not apply to you. I want you to understand, you have to make that conscious, heartfelt decision from your heart, from your brain, to follow Jesus. To follow him with everything you have. Because, and I don't want to scare you, but if you are not a follower of Jesus, then you are an enemy of God. And I believe there's a lot of churches today in the world today that preaches everyone's being saved, everyone's a child of God, everyone's is loved, which is God loves everyone because he was willing to die upon the cross for salvation for you and I. But you have to receive that gift. You have been chosen if you receive the gift of salvation. If you do not choose that gift, then you are not chosen, my friends. And I don't want to get into a theological argument with you, but I just want you to understand truly, and I don't want to guilt you, because I remember being in a church sometimes where guilt is so prevalent. But he was willing to die for you in order to have that relationship with you. And if you don't have that relationship with you, then you are an enemy of God. And my friends, I do not want to be an enemy of the Most High. I can be an enemy of a lot of people, but I do not want to be an enemy of God Almighty because he is a lot stronger and a lot powerful, and he controls the destiny where men and women will hold for the rest of their lives. 
Why did God actually save you? You know, why did my, our, we've had this conversation so many times in our family. If God knew sin was going to come into the world, why did God make people? You know, if he knew he was going to have to die upon the cross, he was going to have to give his only son in order for you and I to be saved, why did he make us anyway? And we always came back as mom and dad, you know, we knew as parents that you were going to cause us a lot of heartache at some point in life. You were not always going to be obedient children. You were not always going to obey our rules. But we knew we wanted to have children because we wanted someone to love, even when they broke our heart. And when we break God's heart, He still loves us so very much, He was willing to die for each one of us. That's why God created us. That's why God wants you to be a part of his family because he loves you so very much that we have come into this broken world, but we who are Christians, who have been called by God's name, can make a difference in the world today. When we live our testimony, when we live like Christ, when we live truly to what the purpose of our life is, our life is to live like Jesus Christ lived and to change this world for the better, for Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made that decision to follow God. Maybe you've never made that decision to follow Christ and accept that gift of salvation. I challenge you today to do so. If you want to visit, there are going to be people on the left and right to be able to pray with you, to be able to, to, to be there and answer questions. This is a time, this is the most important decision you ever can make in your life to following Jesus Christ. But let me tell you this, if you're an older Christian, a mature Christian, your job is to live like Christ wants you to live. Not always to be comfortable, but to challenge your life. Guess what? My sermon's over. That's, I didn't know that thing went off, actually. Important time. But if you're an older Christian and you need that light, you need that fire lit underneath you, it's time to light the fire again. It's time to put some gasoline on your relationship with God. It's time to put some fuel upon you to burn brightly so that people know that you are a Christian. Every single step of the way, God is working in your life to make you more like Christ. The question is, do we allow him to do that or not? We're the ultimate boss in our lives. We have the ability to say no to God or to say yes to God wherever we are at. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, so much that you love us and the will, the perfect will for our lives, God, is to be like you. Lord, to follow your footsteps, to follow who you are, to look like you and to act like you. And Lord, this is not an impossible task because you have given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of each one of us who are believers in you. And I pray, God, that you just light that fire underneath us. Let us express our testimony that we have, the difficulties of the things that have gone wrong in our lives. Let us be able to bring those things glory to your name. Lord, thank you for using those things in our lives to, 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 to make things good. Lord, I pray, I pray right now, God, for every people, every person who's not a believer, who's on that fence, whether to accept that gift of salvation or not. Lord, I pray that you just work in their lives. I pray, God, that you'll just move in their hearts, God. Lord, that you will just speak to them right now, Lord. Lord, let us make that decision to follow you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.